Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to this. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. Creating a written record of the things... God reveals to me from the Bible serves to help me track my progress in growing in the grace and knowledge of God, His plans, purposes, and His promises for my life. Come on, read it with me so it gets in there. Come on, ready, read. Creating a written record of the things God reveals to me from the Bible serves to help me track my progress in growing in the grace and knowledge of God, His plans, purposes, and His promises for my life. You know, I still have my very, very first journal that I started using when I got saved. It's dated in 1995. I was looking through it last night, and I was just reminiscing, and I was able to see how God has developed me and continues to develop me. Amen. My wife is still praying for me much. God's still working in my life. But I'm able to track my progress and see some of the things that I wrote down from the Word of God as He was giving me revelation and as He was speaking to me. I capture things in journals. I like to use journals. And that connects to the fact that we've been on this series that we're calling The Secret Place. And the subtitle is Meeting with God Daily and Deeply. Will you say the subtitle with me? Come on. Meeting with God Daily and Deeply. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, And when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I've already told you, but it's worth repeating. The words, the secret place, is really only one word in the Greek. It's the word kruptos. And it literally means hidden, concealed, or private. So what Jesus is saying is, when you pray and you go into that hidden, that concealed, or that private place, or that private space where it's just you and God, where you're pursuing Him, where you're getting to know Him, where you're meeting with Him daily and deeply, even though it's concealed and hidden and private from everyone else, God sees God sees every time you and I make a decision to invest time with Him. 
Not spend time. You never spend time with God. You invest time with Him. How do you know it's an investment? Because He said that God will reward you when you spend or invest time with Him in the secret place. That word reward, it simply means to give something to someone for their advantage. Or we could say to bestow a gift or to bestow a benefit. Every time that you invest time with God, reading the Word, investing in that secret place, whether you see it right now or not, in the spiritual realm, God sees and He's rewarding. He's doing things for you and in you on on your behalf. Even though you don't see it right away in the natural, you're storing up this faith and this power of God because every time we invest time with God, God's moving on our behalf. He's doing something. That's why Jesus said this. And this is important for us because it's connected to what I'm calling a, a theme. Real simple terms, a theme. Or we could even say something that the Lord is directing us towards as a whole church in 2023. And I've mentioned it before, but I want to keep seasoning our hearts with this theme. And it's a heart for the house and hands for the harvest. Come on, say it with me, church. A heart for the house and hands for the harvest. I didn't see everybody's mouth moving. Let's try it again. A heart for the house and hands for the harvest. What does that mean? That means that God is calling you and He's calling me as His followers to recalibrate our heart for Him. To come back to our first love. To reprioritize our commitment to God and to Jesus. And as we're doing that, we're also developing this heart for the house. Not the building, the people. The family of God. The brothers and the sisters of the Lord. All throughout the Scriptures, from Old Testament to New, the followers of God had this brotherly love, this, this, this heart for one another, this heart to see one another increase in their relationship with God and live life to the full and defeat all the enemies that come their way. So a heart for the house has to do with a heart for God and for God's people. And part of that is we're leaning in. We're showing up on Sundays. I'm not being legalistic, but how many of you know the Bible says, now Pastor Robert, the Bible says in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together especially as you see some doing it. But stir one another up towards love and good works, especially as we see the day of the Lord's approaching getting closer and closer and closer. There's something significant and something powerful when the New Testament church begins to have a heart for the house and we're doing it the way God wants us to do it. We should come and we should be filled up we should be stirred up. We should get prayed up. We should experience some pep in our step when we leave the family of God. Can somebody say amen? There's a heart for the house that He wants for us to develop. And then there's a hand for the harvest. Jesus said, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus said, the Son of Man, referring to Himself, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
It's the heart of Jesus to reach people beyond the family of God. It's the heart of Jesus to to share the gospel with people who don't know Him. I was also reminded that hands for the harvest means that God wants to use us to have people get saved. How many of you believe God wants to use you to preach the gospel to someone so that they come into the family of God and they actually get saved? There is no greater joy that you could ever have than to share the gospel with somebody and they say yes to Jesus and you lead them in a prayer and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It is amazing when that happens. I'll tell you a quick testimony. Well, I don't know how quick it will be, but I'll tell you a testimony. In our Thanksgiving food gift that we had in November, we had a bunch of people here. I think we blessed, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 people, families. And a car came through the line, and he called out to me, Hey, Preacher Robert. I said, Hey, how you doing? And I didn't quite uh, recognize him right away. He looked a little bit different. And I said, Hey, uh, oh, is that you, Michael? Yeah, and his sister was driving. And his sister said, Yeah, that's him. He lost a lot of weight. He doesn't want to go to the doctor's. And so I didn't recognize him. I said, hey, Michael, you know, you should go to the doctors to get checked. You know, guys don't like to go to the doctors. Come on. You got to go to the doctors, guys, to get your annual checkup. It's just wisdom. Amen. And so we talked a little bit, and he went through the line. And, and then I heard about two or three weeks later, he was in severe pain, and he ended up going to the emergency. And they discovered some things that weren't very pleasing to know. And things progressed. And before you know it, they told him that he had cancer. He had liver cancer. And it got back to me, it got back to me that he wanted me to go visit him at his house. He lived just a couple houses away. Now, I have visited with him over the last five or six years numerous times. I got to know him a little bit. He's not a churchgoer. He's not really open to all of that stuff. He was never rude to me. But he was never like, hey, share the gospel with me. He didn't want to come to church. He didn't want to have anything to do with that. But he was kind to me. So I went over and visited with him and his mom. It got back to me. He wanted to talk to me. So I went to his house. And he welcomed me in and we talked. And I saw Michael and he didn't look well. And I knew he was sick. And the Holy Spirit was there with us as we were sitting in his living room. And he began to talk to me about how he was feeling what was going on and how he was concerned and how he wished maybe he would have done some things differently in the past. Well, listen, I took that opportunity as the Holy Spirit gave me the opportunity. I graciously and lovingly pointed him to Jesus and shared the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And that is this, by grace you are saved through faith, not of works. It's a gift of God lest any man should boast. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter how bad we've been in the past, no matter how much of a scoundrel we were in the past, we were, uh, amen, we, God loves you. And no matter what happens, He wants for you to be in the family and you can know for certain today that if you pass, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be with Him for eternity. Do you want to do that, Michael? Do you want to receive Jesus? Now listen, this guy has never been open to the things of God. That day he was. That day his heart was soft. That day the Holy Spirit convinced him 
God is real. Jesus is real. Jesus loves me. Jesus died for my sins. And I could be in a perfect relationship with him as a son of God. And I had the opportunity right there in the living room with his mom, his 85-year-old mom or so, about 85, Wade. About 85, his mom was right there just a couch away. And we were able to pray with Michael at 53 or 54 years old. Michael received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, and he came into the family of God. There's nothing better than using your hands for the harvest and bringing people into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, that's important. That's important. He progressively got worse. And the last day that he was able to draw breath, I was able to be at his bedside. I know he wasn't completely with me, but I know his spirit was. And what did I do? I prayed for him and I thanked God for his salvation. I thank God that his name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I thank God that he's going to heaven. I thank God the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for everyone who follows Jesus. I thank God just like Jesus pulled in the thief on the cross on that day and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I thank God that Michael was going to be with Jesus in paradise the moment he drew his last breath on earth would be his first breath in the presence of God. And I sang over him. I worshiped the Lord over him. I declared God's life and God's blessing and God's healing spiritually over him. And I know that I know that I know. And his family knows too. That when he took his last breath here, he was ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sharing that with you because nobody knows when they're going to draw their last breath. That's why Jesus came. That's why we got to have hands for the harvest. Can somebody say amen? That's why God wants us to be available to be used by him. Now, this is going to happen. Heart for the house and hands for the harvest. This is going to happen when we begin to really understand what we're calling a theology of place. I know I've already mentioned it, but it's so important we catch it. A theology of place is a biblical understanding that God has called each believer to three places and how they're connected to each other and how they feed into each other. And the first place is the secret place. How many of you believe that if we don't get the secret place down, having a heart for the house and hands for the harvest is going to be difficult, right? I mean, it starts in the secret place where we're meeting daily and deeply with God. We're not perfect. I'm not saying you go seven days a week and you never miss. I know you're busy moms. I know you've got careers. But we're pursuing it. We're going after it. Amen? And then the next place, so important, it's the gathering place. That's what we're doing right now. Did you know? Did you know that statistically... More and more Christians are pulling back from the gathering place. More and more Christians are trying to live for God by themselves. And they're not vitally connected. If you've never seen my talk on my Facebook page, you got to go see it. It's only 20 minutes long. I think it's called something like the benefits of being vitally connected to the church. There are benefits that you and I begin to experience 
when we're connected in the gathering place. The gathering place is where we come together to worship God, to minister one to another for the building up of God's house, God's family. The gathering place is where we come and hopefully we're receiving anointed, powerful messages and teaching and preaching that helps to equip us, that helps to encourage us to live for God at greater levels. That's the gathering place. So important. The next place is the public place. Think about it. Secret place, gathering place, public place. This is where God sends us. He sends you. He sends me to reach a lost and a broken world. These believers, you and I, we're full of the Spirit of God and we're full of the Word of God. Get it? Because of time invested in the secret place and the gathering place. Doesn't that make sense? We get filled up. We get charged. We get full of the Word and full of the Spirit. And then as we go about our life in business or career, at the playground, at the grocery store, wherever, we're ready. We're ready to reach people. Some, meet, some men will plant, some men will water, but God brings the increase. Amen. Are you with me so far? Say amen. Okay. So last week, if you weren't here, you missed a good message. We talked about the value of prayer and praise in the secret place. You can go to our website and get the podcast. Today, if you're taking notes, the title of the message today, The Importance of Journaling Your Journey with God. That's a mouthful. Come on, say it with me. The Importance of Journaling Your Journey with God. And here's the subtitle, Three Reasons to Journal in the Secret Place. Let me explain. Let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. By the way, let me just, let me just be honest and just interject this. I realize it's 1108. I realize it would take a miracle from God for me to finish at 1115. But I'm also very realistic. It's not going to happen today. Okay? But I hope you're getting something out of our time together already. I'm going to try to be as quick as I can, but as thorough as I can, because I don't want you to miss this, because this changes people. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Check it out. NLT version. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. Let me explain. Habakkuk is a man of God. He's a vessel of God. He's a prayer warrior for God. He's a prophet of God. And using this terminology, watchtower and guard post, what he's communicating to us is that he's alert. He's watching God. He's listening to God. He's paying attention to God. And he's keeping an eye on the enemy and keeping them at bay by prayer and standing in the gap for God's people. So he's paying attention. There, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, this is God speaking to him, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Verse 3. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. How many of you believe that when God speaks, 
He intends for what He speaks to come to pass. At some point, He intends for it to come to pass. Look at verse 2. Then the Lord said to me, Write, W-R-I-T-E, my answer plainly on tablets. Another version says this. Write down what I show you. That's God speaking. Write down what I show you. Another version says this. Record the vision and write it plainly on tablets. How many of you know back in that day, they didn't have paper like we have today? Write it plainly on tablets. Another version says this. Catch this. Write out the revelation, engraving it clearly on tablets. Those are different versions of verse 2. Now, there's a book that's been written by some pastors in Tennessee. Pastors Dale and Joel Everest. They're a father and son pastoral team. And from a book that they've written, uh, they write this about Habakkuk. Listen. The prophet Habakkuk was a man in need of prophetic insights, answers, vision, and strategies. He asked God a number of questions concerning himself, concerning God's people, and the world around him. He was concerned about some things and confused about some other things, but he was committed to God and willing to follow whatever God's word, will, and ways would reveal to him. Listen, Habakkuk wisely realized that his view of things was limited. Come on, can anybody identify with that? And he was open to embrace whatever God would speak to him. God not only spoke to him in a way that he could understand, God instructed him to record in writing what he was being shown, not only for his sake, but for the sake of others as well. It was in Habakkuk's commitment to journal his journey with God that he and others were able to receive clear vision and move in a clear direction to the fulfillment of what God said. Can you say amen? The only reason why we have the recording of these scriptures is because people were moved of the Holy Spirit and they wrote things down. Isn't that true? That's, that's the only way we got the scriptures. I've mentioned it numerous times already. It's not the only way, but it's a great way. If you don't have a journal yet, get a journal. $6 donation. If you don't have it, take one for free. In the journal, there's a reading plan day by day. There's a way to track your progress day by day. There's instructions on how to read your Bible and catch what God's saying to you, revelation about what God's saying to you, and you use an acronym, S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. What does SOAP stand for? Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Friend, if you can get a hold of writing down what God shows you through the Scriptures, it will help you to track your progress and step into the plans and the purposes and the promises that He has for your life. I'll prove it to you. 
I'm going to give you three reasons to journal or to write in the secret place. Here's reason number one on your sermon guide. Reason number one. Writing down what God says plants it deeper in my heart and increases revelation. Say it with me. Come on. Writing down what God says plants it deeper in my heart and increases revelation. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking, and we have a record of what he was saying, and he knew that at some point Israel would want a king. At that point, there was no king, but he was prophetically writing, and he knew that Israel would want a king. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 19. Also it shall be when he, referring to the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, listen, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, the king, and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear, to reverence, to honor the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. God was giving laws to the king. And the laws were the king shall not multiply horses for himself. The king shall not cause people to return to Egypt or to multiply horses for themselves either. And the king shall not multiply wives because they'll turn his heart away nor shall he multiply silver or gold for himself because that would become his God and that also would turn his heart away. So God was very clear. He's saying, I'm going to give these laws to the king. No multiplying horses, no taking people back to Egypt, and they don't want to multiply horses. Why? What's the big deal about horses? Horses Because in that time, when you had horses, you were proclaiming that you had power and that you had army ability. God's saying, no, 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 I'm your ability. I'm your power. Don't put your faith in horses, an army of horses. And, by the way, don't marry more than one wife, king. I don't want you to do that because those wives are going to drive you crazy. No, he didn't say that. He said, they're going to turn your heart away from me. There's something about the lust in a man's heart. God knows. Don't do it. It's going to turn your heart away from me. And then don't multiply. Don't try to become rich. That's going to turn your heart. So what did God do? God said, I want you to tell the king to write these laws down. Listen, listen. This shows how greatly God wanted the word of God to be on the hearts of his kings so that they can walk in it and be obedient to God. He didn't have to ask them to write anything down. He could have just said, have them read it. No, write it down. Let me me tell you something. You know, even in the natural, in the natural, non-spiritual stuff, writing things down increases learning and comprehension. Come on, does anybody believe that? I came across an article. I came across an article. Here's the name of the article. Three scientific links between handwriting your notes and memory. That's the article. Just listen to the article. If you're looking to actually master the material, whatever the material is, typing, typing notes is actually not the best way to master the material. Recent studies from psychologists 
and neuroscientists alike have found that handwriting is king for effective learning. It has to do with how the brain processes different inputs of information. More specifically, it matters whether you transcribe a speaker's content digitally or instead capture its essence on paper. It goes on and it ends by saying this. As digital continues to dominate our world, going old school with handwriting just might work to your advantage. Writing by hand tends to boost your ability to retain information, comprehend new ideas, and be more productive. Doesn't that make sense? This is how you memorize Scripture. This is how you meditate on the Word and pull it deep into your heart. So the very first thing you got to know is that writing down what God says plants His Word deeper in your heart and it increases revelation. Revelation meaning God showing you the truths in His Word as you're hearing Him speak to you through His Word. Number two, if you're taking notes, writing down what God says helps me remember what He said and live it out. Come on, say it with me. Writing down what God says helps me remember what He said and live it out. How many of you believe that living it out is the key? Right? Living it out is important. Look at Habakkuk 2.2 again, real quick. The Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets. Why? So that, come on, say that with me. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Ah, we have a race and it's called what? Anybody know what we're in? A race of faith, right? We're in a race of faith. So in a sense, I heard somebody say it last week. I think Barbara told me this last week. Something like this. Listen, some will never read the Bible, but they will read you. Some people will never read the Bible, but they will read me. So writing things down from the Scripture helps me to remember it and to live it out. Have you ever been about to do something that you know wasn't God's way or God's will or God's best? Come on. Don't make me feel like I'm the only one, right? And then all of a sudden, just before you did it, that check. Uh-oh. I better not do that. Why? Because the Word says, the Word says, and you've got this, you've got this account, this Word account. Come on. How many of you know if you go to the bank and you try to make a withdrawal, but you made no deposits, ain't nothing coming out. Ain't going to happen. Why? No deposits. If you want to remember the Word, and you want to live in it, you want to walk in it, you got to make some deposits. Come on, somebody say, I'm a big depositor. I'm a big depositor. So important. Listen to Psalm 1, 1 through 3. So, if you don't have Psalm 1, 1 through 3 highlighted and underlined in your Bible, do it today. Listen to what it says. I'm going to read it out of the NLT. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, people who make fun of God and God's people. Listen. But on the contrary, they delight in the law 
of the Lord. What's the law? The law is the Torah. It's the teaching. It's the instruction of God. It's a way to live straight before God. Notice this. What do they do with the law of the Lord that they delight in? Meditating on it day and night. Meditating on it day and night. Thinking on it day and night. They, those people who are meditating on the Word, they are like trees planted along the river bank. Listen, bearing fruit each season. Their lives or their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Somebody say amen. How many of you would like it if your lives never withered? Amen. That you were shiny and you were green and you were full of fruit and full of vitality and you just get better and better and stronger and stronger and brighter and brighter. Why? Because you're meditating on the words of God. You're pulling them in your heart and you're getting the nutrients that you need to be the people that God's called you to be. See, when God speaks to you and He gives you personal revelation and He speaks to you about what He wants to do in your life through the Word, He he latches a promise onto that Word. If we write them down, they're easier to remember. And these words will actually bring strength and faith to our lives to keep us going when things don't seem like they're working. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, he encouraged Timothy in Timothy 1.18. This is what he said. Listen. He said, Timothy, this charge I commit to you, son, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, catch this, that by them, by them. What's the them? Anybody know? What's the them in this verse? The prophecies. What's a prophecy? Prophecy is a word that brings encouragement. It's a word that brings strength. It's a word that brings comfort. It's a word that brings hope. Every time you and I invest in the secret place and we're reading the word and we're meditating on the word and we're writing down the word, nobody else sees but God sees. And the Holy Spirit is there with you. Let me tell you, He's whispering prophetic words into your spirit. He's whispering promises into your heart. He's renewing your mind. He's increasing your faith. And Paul is saying, listen, by those prophecies that were previously spoken over your life, by them wage the good warfare. There's an enemy, and he's trying to take you out. But when you know the Word, when you know the God of the Word, and when it's settled in your heart, No matter what the enemy throws your way, you're going to wage war by the prophetic promises that God spoke in the secret place. And He's going to give you the victory every single time. But are you making deposits? Pastor Robert, that's all you do is talk about reading your Bible, read your Bible. If you want to grow, you've got to read the Bible. These are not just regular words. These are God's words. Bring you strength. Reason number three. Writing down what God says also prepares me to encourage and strengthen others. Come on, somebody say it with me. Come on. Writing down what God says also prepares me to encourage and strengthen others. Oh, that was weak. Come on, let's say it again one more time. Come on. Writing down what God says 
also prepares me to encourage and strengthen others. Look at Habakkuk 2, 2, and 3 real quick. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. To others. Listen to this. God's Word in me can become a great strength through me. Come on, say it with me. God's strength or Word in me can become a great strength through me. See, God will use what He shows you in the Word, what you write in your journal. He will use that to bring encouragement and strength and faith and hope to other people. When you're writing it down, you won't, you won't forget it as quickly. And you can go back and you can look at it and you can track your progress and see how God has been doing things in your life. And you come across a friend, another mom, a business colleague, a neighbor, and they're telling you about what they're going through. And then all of a sudden you remember because you wrote it down and it's in your heart. Hey, you know what? I hear you. I was going through something like that. And you know what the Bible says? And they're like, the Bible? Yeah, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says... For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's in Jeremiah 29, 11. And there's a hope and there's a faith that you will begin to impart to people because of the word that you heard that's becoming a strength through your life. Amen. So, Pastor Robert, what did we learn today? Well, I hope you caught something. But real quickly, what we learned today is that writing down what God says plants it deeper in my heart and increases revelation. Revelation. Revelation is showing you things that you didn't see before, and the Holy Spirit shows them to you through the Word. That's revelation. Number two, writing down what God says helps me remember what He said and live it out. And live it out, right? Amen. So we're becoming transformed. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. And writing down what God says also prepares me to encourage and strengthen others. That's hands for the harvest. Amen. Did you receive something from the Word of God? That was record time. Amen. 1129. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we love you today. We honor you today. Thank you for your power and your grace and your love that was evident today. Thank you for bringing healing and breakthrough and restoration. God, we thank you that you're a God who watches over your word to bring it to pass. So we're expectant, God. We thank you for what you did today, for breakthrough, for, for setting people free, for bringing healing and restoration. You are our healer. And God, we thank you that you've spoken to us deep in our hearts through the preaching and the teaching of your word. God, your word says in Isaiah, just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth 
It shall not return to me void. So, Father, we're good ground. We received the word this morning. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is going to grow it and produce 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit in our lives. Thank you, God. We give you all the glory and all the praise today. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen and Amen, Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.